Good to see you today. I serve primarily up at our Edmonds Expression, but it's always my privilege and my pleasure to be here with you in this way as we open our Bibles together. And as we continue this journey through the book of Luke chapter 8 is where we're landing today, right in the middle of it, uh, Luke chapter 8, verses 16 to 21. So if you have your Bibles, head on over in that direction if you'd like to follow along. So let's read the passage uh, for today, and then let's spend some time talking about it. Luke chapter 8, verse 16 says this. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a basket or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a lampstand so that those who come in may see its light. For nothing is concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known and brought to light. Therefore, take care how you listen. For whoever has, more will be given to him, and whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has will be taken away from him. Then his mother and brothers came to him, but they could not meet with him because of the crowd. He was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. But he replied to them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear and do the word of God. So this is the word of the Lord, and we say thanks be to God, and we'll get to the text in a moment and start talking about it, but I want to share a story with you first about Ludwig van Beethoven. I think most of you have probably heard of him. He was an early 19th century German composer and musician. Many would say he was probably one of the best composers in the history of Western music, and he he produced an incredible body of work over the course of his lifetime. But what many of you may not know about Beethoven is that uh, in the early 1800s, right around the age of 30, he began losing his hearing. Now, it was a gradual thing over the course of several years, but it did, it got worse and worse until it reached the point where he was completely deaf. And as you might expect, he was increasingly um, devastated and, and suicidal even as this process ran its course and he, as he really came to grips with the fact, the reality that his career was very likely done. But very interestingly, uh, Beethoven did not give up. He did not give in. He actually adapted. He turned his situation around, and the results were nothing short of incredible. In fact, the symphonies that came out of this later period of his life when he couldn't hear anything at all are considered by many to be the best of his entire career. In fact, his work during this time, it's been described as daring and, and new, and some say it actually kind of reinvented classical music altogether. An author named Arthur Brooks, he wrote an article about this, and the article's entitled Beethoven and the Gift of Silence. And listen to what Brooks says. It says he says, it seems a mystery that Beethoven became more original and more brilliant as a composer in inverse proportion to his ability to hear. Brooks says, it turns out this circumstance in Beethoven's life actually freed him as a composer because he no longer had society's soundtrack playing in his ears, Brooks says. And so paradoxically, as the the noise of the world around him turned to silence, Beethoven actually found the freedom to create and to compose in some, some new and unexpected ways. Having the volume of society's soundtrack turned down in his head actually allowed Beethoven to hear something new. Now, the reason I tell this story is because perhaps lurking within it is an interesting lesson for us today as we consider this passage that you just heard. 
Friends, we live in a time where it's not easy to tune out the noise or turn the volume down. We are inundated with information. We are saturated with news and data. We are captive to various forms of social media and to our devices which dispense them. In fact, I think the possibilities for distraction today are greater than they've ever been in the history of the human race. And the information coming at us is by no means neutral, is it? We're being told what to care about. We're being told what to believe. We're being conditioned how to, how to think. And if we're not careful how we manage all this, our spiritual lives, they will suffer. And for some of us, they are suffering because of it. In fact, I'm convinced as Christians, it is uh, imperative that we develop the disciplines to turn down the volume of society's soundtrack if we are to consistently hear the voice of God in our lives in, in meaningful ways. Today's passage, it has everything to do with that, with, with hearing, with how we hear, specifically with how we hear the Word, the Word of God. If you were with us last week, Jesus told a parable. He told the parable of the sower, right? The sower who was planting seeds in different types of soil. And the different ways that those different soils received the seeds that were being planted in them, it's a very famous parable. And as we begin exploring today's passage, it seems like Jesus is telling uh, another parable, a new parable, right? He starts talking about light and, and lampstands and, and baskets. But as you move on past verse 16, and as you uh, pay careful attention to what Jesus is saying here, what you realize is Jesus is not telling another parable here. He's not telling a new parable either. He's actually still telling the same parable. He's extending the same story that he actually has been telling us for all of chapter 8. In fact, in today's passage, Jesus is concluding the parable of the sower. He began all the way back in the beginning of the chapter. And so why do I say that? And how, how, does, he, how does he do that? What is the big idea of everything that Jesus has been saying and talking about here in chapter 8? I think he tells us in verse 18 of today's passage, verse 18 is really a summary statement of this entire chapter, and we're given a clue that it's a summary statement when at the beginning of verse 18, Jesus says, uh, therefore. Therefore, he says, take care how you listen. Now, therefore is a word that should get our attention, right? It's a word that should cause us to ask the question, what is that therefore, therefore? Because what follows that word, therefore, is, an important, is, is often a point that we do not want to miss. And so Jesus says, therefore, in verse 18, take care how you listen. Now, you may be saying, what does listening have to do with the parable of the sower? And I hope to show you in a moment it has everything to do with the parable of the sower. In fact, I want to show you that one of the main questions that Jesus wants to challenge us with, I think, both last week and this, is, is this. When you come into this place on Sunday morning, week in and week out, and as you sit down to hear the word of God spoken, how are you listening? Are you being careful how you listen? Now, I'm not the best at telling jokes, but I'm going to give it a go anyway. There were these three friends that went deer hunting. One was a lawyer, one was a doctor, and one was a preacher. And as they were walking along the ridge, they spotted a big buck off in the distance, and all three of them kind of crouched down. They got ready. They took aim. And all three of them, it turns out, at the very same time, pulled their triggers, and the, and the buck went down. It was hit. All three men got up. They ran over to the buck. They were high-fiving, patting each other on the back because it was, a, it was a big buck. 
But there was a problem, you see. They, they were all claiming it was their shot that took the buck down, right? But they really had no way of telling whose shot it really was. And so they got into a pretty heated debate. And after this went on for some time, a game warden happened to walk up and ask them what the problem was. And the doctor, he said, well, we're debating who shot the buck. It's not clear who shot brought the buck down. Now, the game warden took a careful look at the buck. He walked around and inspected the buck. And then he took a careful look at these three men. And he, he said to them with a certain confidence, the preacher shot the buck. And the doctor and the lawyer, they said, wait, what? How, 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 how do you know that? The warden said, that's easy. Of course it was the preacher. Can't you see? The bullet, it went in one ear and, and out the other. <laughs> Jesus, in verse 18, says, take care how you listen. Are, are you doing that? Now, needless to say, we live in a world where listening is not the most sought-after virtue. In fact, for many, it's not a virtue at all. In college, I remember there were uh, many courses you could choose from in communications, right? Speech communication, written communication, and there were entire degrees dedicated to these studies. But what I don't recall ever seeing or hearing about was a class or a degree on, on listening. Now, if you get on Amazon or go to Barnes & Noble and look for a, a book on how to speak effectively, how to express yourself, how to influence others as a result, you'll find whole sections on that, but what you don't really ever find is any corresponding section on how to be a, a careful listener. Now, one of the reasons for that is in this world and in most every earthly kingdom, the way you obtain power and influence is not by listening, but by talking, right? Sometimes the louder, the better. Power is often secured in this world, not by being good at listening, but by getting good at getting others to listen to you. But what Jesus says in this passage and what the Bible as a whole says too, I think, is that the kingdom of God is different when it comes to this. Where you find power in the kingdom of God is not by, not by talking, but by, by listening, by hearing. Take care how you listen, Jesus says. So I'd like to take a moment to show you how those words are a summary statement of the parable of the sowers up to this point and how this week's passage is connected to Last week's passage in some ways that are very important that we need to talk about. Last week, Jesus told the parable, right, about the seeds being planted in the different soils in verses 4 to 7, the hard soil, the, the rocky soil, the thorny soil, and, and the good soil. Then in verse 8, we were told that Jesus, he, he called out to the crowd. He called out, let anyone who has ears to hear listen. Now, Everyone, of course, has ears that can hear, but he seems to be suggesting that not everyone will have ears that can, that can hear him as he talks and as he teaches. And then in verse 9, the disciples say, well, Jesus, we don't, we don't get this still. And so Jesus takes his disciples aside. He interprets the parable for them and makes it, he really makes it about as simple and plain as he could, beginning in verse 11. He says in verse 11, guys, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the Word of God, the Word of God, the Bible and its truth. And if the seed is the Word of God, this means that the sower of the seed is the one who speaks and preaches the Word of God. And then Jesus went on in verses 12 to 15 to explain to his disciples what the four different soils uh, represent. And so let's take a look at that, beginning in verse 12. It says, the seed along the path are those who have, who have what? Who have who have heard, those who have heard the word of God. And then 
the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe. And so that's, that's kind of a first kind of hearing we're told about in the parable. And then in verse 13, it says this, and the seed on the rock are those who, when they hear, when they hear the word of God, they receive the word with joy, but having no root, these believe for a while and fall away in a time of, of testing. And so that's a second kind of hearing the word of God. Verse 14 says, as for the seed that fell among the thorns, these are the ones who, when they have heard, when they have heard the word of God, go on their way and are choked with worries, riches, and the pleasures of life, and they produce no mature fruit. So that is a, clearly a third kind of hearing. In verse 15, but the seed in the good ground, these are the ones who, having heard the word with an honest and good heart, hold on to it and by enduring produce fruit. So there's a fourth kind of hearing. This parable is all about hearing, hearing the word of God, just, just, like, just like you're doing right now, four different ways that, of hearing the word that can give rise to four different ways of, of living for you and I and every other, every other Christian. And so what type of hearer might you be today? Preaching the Word of God is one thing, and it is crucial, but hearing the Word of God is another, and it is just as crucial. And that's what this text is about. There's nothing in this text about effective preaching. It's all about uh, effective hearing, right? And this, I think, is why Jesus says in verse 18, this is why I say it's a summary statement, when he says, therefore, take care how you listen. I think this is also why Jesus says right after, he says, take care how you listen. He says this in verse 18. He says, for whoever has, more will be given to him. And whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has will be taken away from him. And so what does that mean? Jesus is again referring back to the last week's soils that we just talked about, right? Think about this with me. The first soil, they, they heard the word, right? They think they have the word, but the devil snatches it away. What they think they have is, is taken away. The second soil, they heard the word too. They think they have the word and they're excited about it, but they have no root to sustain them in time of trial or temptation. And so when the trial comes, what they think they have is taken, it's taken away. The third soil, they heard the word too. They think they have the word of God, but then... The, when the worries and the riches and the pleasures of life come, what they think they have is taken away, and they fail, it says, to bear fruit. But then the fourth soil, verse 15, they heard the word too, but they heard it with a good and honest heart, we're told. And the opposite comes true. They produce fruit a hundred times what was sown, it says. So if you hear the word of God with a good and honest heart, Jesus says you will not only bear fruit, we're also told more more will be given to you. And so, friends, there's a type of hearing the Word of God that barely gets started, and the Word is gone before you get out the door of this place. There's a type of hearing that lasts until a hard time in life comes, and then you uh, turn from God, seeking to hear other messages from, from other messengers. There's a type of hearing that flourishes, but, but only for a time, only until the riches the pleasures and the worries of this life, choke it out. And Jesus says as well, though, that there is, a, there is a type of hearing that defeats the devil, that endures trials, 
that overcomes temptation, that scorns worldly riches, and that bears much fruit unto eternal life. You see, this entire parable is about hearing and yet not hearing. It's about those who have heard, and it's about those who think they have heard, but they haven't really heard. And in each case, their lives bear witness to whether they've actually heard or whether they only think they've heard. And so I think quite clearly, not all hearing is equal when it comes to the Word of God. Some is superficial, some is shallow, some is emotional, some is temporary, some is distracted, some is deceived, and some, we're told, is, is honest and good. Hearing is a high calling, I think. It's no small thing. The stakes are very high. And it does not come naturally, especially with society's soundtrack always playing in our ears, but it can be sought after, it should be pursued, and it can be developed. Otherwise, Jesus would not have said in verse 18, take care how you hear. And so, friends, how, how is this going with you? How are you listening? How might you need to be listening more carefully for the voice of God coming through the Word of God so that what you what you've heard in this place takes root rather than being, being taken away. And we'll talk in a moment about some practical ways to approach this, but first, as we uh, continue on in this passage, we're going to see Jesus teaching us that uh, not only is hearing the word critical to our spiritual condition, but, but doing the word is critical too. We need to be both hearers and doers. After telling the parable and telling uh, the crowd, uh, telling the crowd, be careful how you listen. We're told in verse 19 that Jesus' family came up. His mother and his brothers were trying to make their way to him, but it says the crowd was too big. They couldn't get to him. But it says someone got word to Jesus, and they said to Jesus, your mother and brothers are over there, and they want to see you. And in verse 21, Jesus replied to them in this way. He said, my mother and my brothers are those who hear and do the word of God. Now, I don't think Jesus is disrespecting his family here. I think he's just making clear to his followers that he's come to create a, a different type of family, a spiritual family. And he's also making clear that those who are truly part of that family are those who not only hear the word of God, but those who also do the word of God. They do something about what they hear. They are both hearers and doers. Because hearing alone is not enough. Hearing is one thing. And Doing is another. And Jesus said, if you're part of my family, both will be happening. Both need to be happening. Or you may, you may be deceived about what you, think you, what you think you have. We actually see some very interesting things being said in other parts of the Bible, the New Testament in particular, about, about hearing and doing the Word. There's a moment late in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7 where Jesus says this in verse 21. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. And then a couple of verses after saying that, Jesus continues the same thought as he brings the entire Sermon on the Mount to a close. Listen to what he says beginning in verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock the rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house. Yet, it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. 
But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who has built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house, and it collapsed. It collapsed, it says, with a great crash. And I do think Jesus is addressing the unbeliever here who fails to respond to the gospel. But perhaps even more so, I think his words are directed at people who hear the word of God over and over again, just like us, but who don't put it into practice. And Jesus says, you're building your house on sand, if that is, if that is the case. Now, there are many in Christian circles who will say that you can accept Jesus and be a follower of Jesus and hear many sermons about Jesus without really obeying Jesus, without doing anything about what you hear. He's all about grace, right? He loves me for exactly how I am. And he is all about grace, and that is true, and that is quite incredible to think about. But passages like these say at the very same time that that obedience is not, it's not optional. That's, that's not how this works if you're truly his, his follower. The Apostle James puts it quite bluntly in James chapter 1, verse 22. He says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it is, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. And verse 22 is really the theme verse of the entire book of James. Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says, right? And if you're not, you're you're really forgetting who you are. Be a doer, it says, and you'll be, it also says you'll be blessed in what you do if you're a doer, and that's, that's interesting. Some of you may be wondering, Jeff, are you saying that God's blessing in my life is conditioned on my obedience to what Jesus says? No, I'm not saying that. James is saying that, though, and Jesus is saying that, too. The Bible does as well. Hearing and doing, they... They go together. And so if your life is built only on Sunday after Sunday, listening to the words of Jesus, and that's all it is, that's where it stops. James says you're deceiving yourself. Jesus says you're destroying yourself. Now, obviously, none of us is perfect. None of us in this life will ever be perfect hearers or perfect doers of the word of God. But we are expected, we are commanded to approach this soberly, sincerely, in how we hear the Word of God and what we do about what we hear. All right, so we've talked about the importance of hearing the Word. We've talked about the importance of doing the Word. Let's talk about the importance of, of being the Word because this is really how you will know if you are truly a hearer and a doer. Jesus says if you're both a hearer and a doer, it's going to be clear. It's going to show up. It's going to show out in your life in one way or another. Look at verses 16 to 17. He says, no one after lighting a lamp covers it with a basket or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a lampstand so that those who come in may see its light. For nothing is concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known and brought to light. Jesus is saying that if you're both hearing and doing the word of God, others will see it. 
you'll be a light, and, and you'll be a light that he, I think he says, will shine in such a way that those around us will see him working through us. Now, it needs to be said, I think, that it's possible for a light to shine, to shine too brightly. If you shine a high-intensity spotlight at people, they will recoil, they, they will look away. It's possible for us as, as Christians to hit people with hard truth that is detached from kindness and grace. It is possible for us, if we're not careful, to condemn rather than convince, to be more self-righteous than self-giving, and people will recoil. They will, they will look away from that sort of intense light. I think Jesus is also saying here that it's possible to be the type of light in our city that is so faint and so dim that nobody even notices it's there. Nobody can really see it. It's having no real effect. It's like one of the three soils that didn't bear fruit, right? You're being harassed by the devil or you're being distracted by the world or overwhelmed by temptation and trial. And as a result, your light for Jesus is dim or hidden altogether. But it's also possible to, to, to be a type of light for Jesus that is steady, that is, that is strong, and that is attractive, one that visibly points people to Jesus. And so what does that look like, practically speaking? Well, it can look like a lot of different things. It can look all sorts of different ways. But fundamentally, it looks, it looks, like, it looks like Jesus. It looks like you and I living and loving and serving in the ways that Jesus did. It looks like you and I seeking and saving those who are lost. It looks like you and I counting those around us as more important than ourselves. It looks like you and I giving rather than taking. It looks like you and I serving rather than, than being served. It looks like you and I loving our neighbor as much as we love ourselves. It looks like coming to the defense of the defenseless. It looks like serving the helpless, the hopeless, and the homeless. It looks like forgiving those who wrong us, not once, not twice, not seven times, but seven times, 70 times. It looks like being self-surrendering and self-sacrificing rather than self-seeking and self-serving, just like Jesus was for, for us. So these are the sorts of ways that we can be a light that points others to Jesus by being like him, by embodying him before a watching world. And my, my hope and my prayer is that we would be a people in a church that, that does that and that, that is that. My hope and my prayer is that we would be a, a contrast. There would be a contrast, a visible contrast between us and the, the world around us that would be unmistakable. A contrast that would cause people to take notice and ask questions about why we're living the ways that we are living. Let me read a few words for you from a New York Times editorial written by a guy named Nicholas Kristof a few years back about evangelical Christians. He began by noting that how uh, so many Christian leaders' lives seem so hypocritical, which is indeed fair, and where most stories like this stop. But Kristof, he went on, he went on to write these words. He said, but in all of my reporting on poverty, disease, and oppression, Across this planet, I've seen so many other Christians doing incredible good. He said, Christians are disproportionately likely to do, uh, donate to charities and churches 
More importantly, go to the front lines at, a, at home or abroad in the battles against hunger, malaria, homelessness, human trafficking, disaster relief, or genocide, and some of the kindest and bravest people you meet are Christians who are truly living out their faith. I'm not particularly religious myself, he says, but I stand in awe of those I've seen selflessly serving and risking their lives in this way. And he says, and it sickens me to, to see that faith mocked at New York City cocktail parties. And so Christoph, he saw the contrast, the, the visible contrast that was created as God's people lived out their lives embodying Jesus, and it, it affected Christoph. It affected him enough to write this editorial, even though I'm sure the uh, cultural elites that he often rubbed shoulders with would have preferred that he hadn't. And who knows how God might use those seeds that have been planted in the mind and the heart of Nicholas Kristof as he observed the light of Jesus coming through the people of Jesus as they embodied him before a watching world. Friends, would we be a people and a church who make God's grace visible to anyone who may be watching by how we live, by how we love, and by how we serve those around us? So hearing the word, doing the word, and being the word, let's do that together. Let's be that together. But it does all hinge first and foremost on hearing, right? Let's not forget the summary statement of verse 18. Jesus says, take care how you listen. It all starts with hearing, then moves to doing and, and being. And so as we wrap up today, I'd like to get very practical about how you and I can be better listeners, more, more careful listeners of the word of God as we step into this space each Sunday. So let's talk for a minute about then preparing for the word. And as we do, let's first talk about how you can take care to prepare as you, as you come into this space. It's true that here at the Hallows, as you, most of you know, it's quite easy to figure out beforehand what passage is coming on a given Sunday. You know, we work our way through entire books of the Bible, so it's a simple matter to uh, read and reflect on the passage that's up next before you ever show up in this place on a Sunday. And so you can read in advance and study in advance and prayerfully consider and reflect in advance, and, and you can come as a result with your heart and your mind that are, that are prepared to receive the word. And you, so treat it like an appetizer, really. An appetizer is meant to stir up your taste buds, right, and to awaken your appetite for the, the main meal. And so if the sermon is the meal, the appetizer is the portion of the word that you meditate on beforehand. Saturday night and Sunday morning because it, because it will enhance your experience of the meal to come. It will enhance your appreciation of the meal to come. It will enhance the benefit you derive from the meal to come as well. And this is very, very simple, friends. It does not take much time, and it can and will change the way that you hear the Word of God on Sunday, Sunday mornings. I guarantee it. Please try it if you, if you are not already. And so read the passage ahead of time, two, three, four times, consider it, observe it, interact with it, ask questions of it. We're talking about literally minutes of your time as you prepare to receive the Word of God. It's one of the simplest and most powerful ways of taking care how you listen. Second, take care how you pray. 
I want to encourage each one of you, if you're not already, to pray for our time together in this, in this, in this way and in this place. For, pray for yourself. Pray for one another. Pray for our church. Pray that God would give each one of us the good and honest heart of verse 15 that carefully hears and receives the word and that, and that bears much fruit as a result. The Bible is quite clear that we have a part to play in this, a part to play in preparing our hearts for this, but it, it's equally clear as well that it's a gift of God's grace that we need to be asking Him for. And so we should be asking and seeking and knocking, Lord, give me a heart for you. Give me a good and honest heart. Give me a soft and receptive heart. Give me a humble and teachable heart, please, God. Three, take care how you participate when you do show up. When you show up in, in this space and in this place on Sunday mornings, are you, are you distracted? Are you, are you tired? Are you running late? Are you frazzled? Or are you ready? Are you being intentional as you prepare to worship the Lord and to, to hear from him? I do know, you know, life is messy. This is not always easy, but consider how you approach this time together. Because this passage reminds us, doesn't it, that taking in the Word of God is not a matter to be, to be taken lightly. And statistically speaking, this passage suggests that we could be doing much better, right? Three of the four soils thought they heard and had the Word, but what they thought they had was fleeting, and it slipped away. If there's one place where we need to turn down the volume of society's soundtrack, this is it. In this place, we need to minimize distractions. We need to set aside our phones. We need to think earnestly and eagerly about what is being sung and prayed and, and preached. And as you're listening, listen very carefully for the Holy Spirit to highlight things for you, to highlight something for you. And when he does, take, take hold of it, take note of it, write it down, because you will forget Take notes, go back to them, reflect on them, pray about them. Because if you don't write things down, friends, as soon as this service is over, before you even realize it, you're immediately thinking, hey, what's for lunch? Okay, that's three. Take care how you prepare, how you pray, how you participate. And four, take care what you do. Take care what you do about what you hear. Ask yourself on Sunday afternoon, Monday morning, and throughout the week, what do I need to do? This week, based on what I just heard, how do I need to put this into practice? Is there a sin I need to repent of? Is there a truth I need to believe? Is there a command I need to obey? Is there a person I need to forgive or serve or pray for? Lord, help me know how I need to respond to what you're saying to me. And this may require some reflection. It may require returning to your notes, meditating on them, and Returning to the passage too, the passage, because this passage reminds us that our spiritual condition truly depends on it. We must not be just hearers of the word, but doers too, or James says we are, we are deceiving ourselves. And you should also be discussing these things, right, in the context of community. Talk about it with your MC. Work it out, apply it. That's what our MCs do. We discuss the sermon from Sunday, the passage from Sunday, and we apply it to our lives in tangible ways. Because if there is no doing, if all you have is information and no transformation happening, your light for Jesus will be dim or not visible at all. And that's what Jesus is saying here, isn't it? 
He's saying, if you want your light to shine for me, you need to listen carefully. You need to put it into action. You need to put into action that which God gives to you. And so hearing the word and doing the word and being the word, that's the pattern that we're given here. And so let's do this together, friends. Let's be this together. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the ways that you remind us through your scriptures and by your spirit that our faith in our journey with you should never be passive. God, we acknowledge that your word as we hear it is intended to evoke action. And that action is intended to showcase your goodness and your grace to a watching world. God, show us, help us where we need to be listening more carefully, where we need to be doing more faithfully and how we might shine more brightly for your glory, for our joy, and for the good of our city. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is the time in our gathering, as I think you all know, where we partake in the Lord's Supper together. And I'm just going to encourage you over these next few minutes to reflect upon the things we We've talked about to consider you know, what, what you've heard and what you may need to do about what you've heard as we, as we worship together and as we consider the body of Christ given for us and the blood of Christ shed for us. Thank you.